Welcome back to Tabernate Talks. We are here for another week. Uh, it's a special week because I'm going to do my Q&A episode. Uh, I promised you once a month. Uh, you know, I think last month was really good. Uh, we ended off the year with information that I think uh, you guys needed to hear. Um, I get hit with scenarios constantly. Uh, the scenarios are uh, really real-time stuff. Like we're on the front line. Uh, you know, it's stuff that you really want to know as you get into the home buying uh, series of your life coming up in, in the spring market. Uh, so I wanted to bring as much information as I can to you. So here we go. I'm just going to roll. Uh, and uh, hopefully we get more questions for next month. But I, I have a slew of them, so I want to get right into them. So anyway, uh, the big question I get every month, you know, will my credit score go down if I run my credit to get a mortgage, right? So everybody's worried. Every time I get an application, you know, I'll get a call from the borrower saying, you know, do you really need to run my credit? You know, can you run a soft pull instead of a hard pull on my credit? And, and you know, you can run a soft pull on people's credit uh, to get an idea of what, they, uh, what their credit scores are, okay? Um, but th the issue is, is a hard pull really is going to give you the most accurate information when it comes to uh, getting a mortgage. So when I when I run a hard pull, it, it brings all three credit bureaus. It lets me know, you know, where you are with your credit. You know, can you be approved? Uh, and a hard hit on your credit. And I, I know that this is a shock to everybody because everybody always says to me, well, it's going to bring me down 30 points, 40 points. Or, or how about this one? Alex, you ran my credit and my, my score now is a 700. Before you ran it, it was a 750. It does not drop your, your uh, credit scores 50 points when I run your credit to, for a mortgage, okay? A, a credit pull is maybe a few points at the most. It's, you know, two, three points at the, at the very most. So, so watch out if people are telling you that, you know, your, your credit score is going to drop a lot if you, uh, you know, if you are applying for a mortgage because it's, it's a false information. It's really only a couple points. You got to do it in order to get a good idea if I'm approved or not. If you want a solid approval, let your mortgage guy run your credit. Again, you can run it as many times as you want in a 30-day period. It only counts as one inquiry anyway. So uh, that's a lot of uh, information that people don't know. Like, well, I had Wells Fargo run my credit. I had Bank of America run my credit. You know, um, now you're gonna run it this month. It still only counts as one inquiry in that 30-day time frame. Uh, so I think you, it, it's a, it's a big thing that you need to know. So, um, so again, a couple points on a hard pull and that's about it. Um, another big one I'm getting is how much money do I need to make right now in order to buy a house? Uh, you know, as we know, interest rates did go up, uh, you know, uh, as we know, house prices have gone up too. Unfortunately, people's incomes have not gone up as much as we'd like them to go up in order to catch up to where they need to be in order to buy a home, okay? Um, you know, a $300,000 house, let's just say, how much money do you need to make? That is a, a huge question that I get every day. Like, they come to me and say, you know, what do I, you know, I have debts of, you know, I have car loans, I have credit cards. What do I need to make in order to get me, you know, because nowadays you really can't buy anything for under 300. It's very hard to find a home that's under 300,000. I mean, usually in the, in the 200s or the 250s, if you find something in this market, hallelujah, because it's not, a, it's not an easy thing. Um, I always say, let's look at your monthly debt, right? What kind of debt do you have? That really dictates 
how high I'm going to be able to go, you know, with your pre-approval. You know, to get a $300,000 house nowadays, you know, you got to be at $100,000 a year in income. I hate to say it. Um, you know, eighty to 90000 may get you there if you have limited debt. But if you don't, if you have normal debt, like most of America, and you have credit card debt, and you have, you know, student loans and, and car loans, then um, you're going to have to make six digits in order to get into the league of buying something that's half decent. So I see a lot of two, two household incomes that are coming into play. Uh, I see a lot of people that are taking second jobs and third jobs in order to be pre-approved, uh, you know, to buy a house. So if you do what you got to do, but the, the truth is, and this is not to be negative or not to be mean, but you know, in the mortgage market, if you're making 40 or 50,000 a year, it's very tough to be able to buy something that's livable. That is, uh, you know, that your family can move into and, and be able to get into the $300,000 range. So, um, you know, getting a side hustle or a second hustle is not a bad thing. Uh, so that's a big one there. I ran into a few scenarios this week where people aren't filing their taxes. Okay, so, and I don't mean this year. I mean, a lot of people haven't filed 2023 yet, right? Because we just got our W-2s this week. You know, we just, uh, a lot of self-employed people don't file until April anyway, right? So, so here's the deal. I don't really care if you filed this year, right? 2023, we're just getting out of. It's when you don't file for 2021 and 2022, your last few years, we have a problem. You know, I hate to say that. And, and a lot of people are, they feel like they're blindsided. Like I'll say, well, you know, send me your tax returns for 2022, you know, send me your tax returns for 2021. And then they look at me with 10 heads and say, I never filed. That's a huge issue. You know, I, I know that you're probably sitting there saying, well, you know, I didn't, I didn't think it is a big issue. And, and some people are blindsided. They're like, well, what do you care if I filed? Like I, I gave you my tax returns. No, they actually need to be filed. Um, go right now. If you're going to buy a house in 2023 and you're self-employed, or even if you're W-2'd and you haven't filed in the last few years, go and file. Do it. Because I'm telling you, your lender's going to ask you, you know, did you file your taxes? And you're going to say no. And they're going to run something that's called a 4506. And a 4506 will tell us if you ran your taxes or not. You could lie and say you ran them, right? Which people do, unfortunately. And then we're going to find out anyway. And then we're going to wind up, uh, you know, seeing, wow, they didn't run their tax. You know, they didn't file their taxes. They're going to come to me. They're going to say, Alex, we have a problem. The client didn't file for 2020 and 22. Have them go file right away. And then we have to wait for the IRS to verify, you know, that you actually ran them. Um, so it's a, it's a huge issue. You know, if you're a W-2 employee, sometimes it's a little bit easier. We do have programs where, you know, you may have not have filed and, and it's, it's, you know, we can get around it maybe, but a self-employed borrower, very, very tough to, to get around that. You got to file guys and pay your taxes. I have a lot of people that don't pay their taxes. Like they, they file and then they owe 20,000, they owe 30,000. They don't, they don't make the, uh, they, they don't get with the IRS to make a, a payment plan. You got to you gotta get your stuff in order. Like, this is why I'm coming on here doing this once a week to tell you, or, or once a month on the Q&A uh, show to tell you, you got to get your, your ducks in order. Get your W-2s, get your pay stubs, you know, get your bank statements, get your uh, taxes filed, get everything in order, 
and then you go and apply for a mortgage. You don't apply for a mortgage just because you fell in love with a house. And the next thing you know, you didn't file your taxes. You can't find your W-2s. You got no money in the bank. You don't know where your pay stubs are. You don't know who to contact in your company. Like it's, it's a, it's a nightmare, you know? So, um, it's a big one. And, uh, I, I try to really, I've seen it the last few weeks and, and it's something that you really got to get in order. So, um, now, self-employed options are out there, okay? Uh, I see a lot of people coming to me saying, you know, well, you know, I, I, I did file, but I didn't show any income, right? I, I showed 10000 for the year in income. I wrote everything off. Or I have too much debt, you know, and I, I can't qualify. Even if I showed you enough income, I still can't qualify because I'm buried in debt. Unfortunately, in America right now, the majority of the country is in debt. I know that... Uh, you know, I know that the media may not say all that. I mean, they say, yeah, we're a trillion dollars in debt, but I don't think people really listen because you still see them spending, you know, every month in the cars and, and going to the stores and the malls and stuff like that. Here's the deal. Self-employed options are we won't verify your income, right? We won't look at your tax returns. Uh, we won't look at your pay stubs, okay? We'll look at your credit score um, and we'll look at how much money you're going to put down. All right. And if you're putting down, let's say 20% and you got an 800 credit score, I have options for you for a self-employed borrower. Why well, won't verify anything, right? I'll just look maybe at your bank statements to, to see if you got some money in the bank that you've been depositing in the last 12 months that I can use. I might do like a, a, a profit and loss loan where you put together your own profit and loss and have your, uh, your accountant verify it. And we go off the profit and loss. Um, you know, there's, there's, uh, few options that, that can be done. What I want to warn you though, is there's nothing's for free. Okay. With the self-employed loan, you're going to pay and you're going to pay handsomely with the interest rate and how much money you're going to need at closing. So don't think just because I didn't file and I got Alex to get me out of it. No, your rates are going to be in the, in the eights and the nines, maybe even in the tens. And you're going to be paying high fees, points, things like that in order to get that loan. The, the problem with self-employed people, and I love them because I deal with them every day and I don't have a problem doing a self-employed loan, is they shop you. Like you really don't, you're really not empowered to shop a lender when you're a self-employed person who didn't show any income for the last five years. What are you shopping, right? You're shopping around to say, can you get a better interest rate? You're not going to get 6%. You're not going to get six and a half. You're going to get 8% or 9% because the bank is going to dictate what they're going to give you, period. Like they're not, they're, they're not going to negotiate either. Like there's no negotiation when the bank has you by the neck to say, I'm telling you, you didn't show any income for the last few years. You take what we get. You like it. You don't like it. Have a nice day. You know, the, the plan is, and I always tell my self-employed borrowers, it's not a forever thing. Okay. This is not permanent. We're going to refinance anyway. But in order to refinance, we got to show some money on the books next year, right? You got to talk to your accountant and say, listen, I got to show a little bit of money on the books because I'm stuck with a 9% interest rate right now. And I don't want to pay this forever. I want to refinance and try to get my rate down so that I can have an affordable mortgage payment. And I'm not stuck with this high interest rate for the life of the loan. The only way you're going to do that is if you actually show income. So, um, you know, but as far as options for self-employed, we have them. So never hesitate to reach out. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of lenders out there that are doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Um, you know, I'm with Green Tree. 
of course you know, and we do do, we have a number of options that we've released over the last year that we can do alternative uh, credit and, uh, you know, non-QM credit, which is what they call it. Uh, so reach out and I would love to help you with an option there. So anyway, um, we're in the year of divorces, it feels like. I was, uh, you know, and I hate to say this, you know, and I'm happily married, uh, you know, for the last 20 years, okay? It doesn't seem like that's a common theme anymore. Like if I tell people that, they're like, what? You know, um, here's the deal. Uh, if you're getting divorced, I think in 2023, I've never done so many divorce deals, divorce deals in my life. I've seen, um, I've seen, I've done people who I've closed in 2021 and 2022 who are now getting divorced a year or two later. Okay. The pandemic really did a number on this country. I hate to say it. And the mortgage space, we're seeing it on the front line. The good people, I'm talking about professionals here who are getting divorced over money situations, uh, economic situations in their house, you know, financial situations. Um, here's the deal. We can help you, right? I'm, I'm doing a lot of refinances where we'll refinance, you know, one spouse off the loan and put the loan in the other spouse's name. That's common. We're doing a lot of, uh, you know, buyout deals too, where the spouse takes a portion of cash out of the house, pays off the other spouse, and again, puts it in their name. Or on a divorce deal, both spouses may want to sell the house, split the money, and then they go buy their own house. Don't think because you're getting a divorce that you don't have options as a, in the mortgage space to, to help. Um, you know, it, we don't look at you like, wow, you're getting divorced and you're coming back to me a year later and I don't want to help you. Right. I, I see a lot of people being a little bit embarrassed and I don't think you should be embarrassed. I think, you know, that's just a sign of the time right now. Things are tough in, in this country as we know. Um, you know, but if we can straighten you out, like a divorce is not the end of the world. It, it is a situation where we have to structure the loan correctly. We want to make sure that all parties are happy on, on getting the equity that they want out of the home. Hopefully someone's going to stay in the home and keep it going. So the mortgage payment is paid, but it's a, it's not a, it's not a do or die be all end all where we can't, uh, we can't do the deal. You know, I always say in a divorce situation, we look at your monthly payments on the mortgage. We look at your mortgage history and we see, you know, has the mortgage been paid on time? If it's been paid on, paid on time, it really makes a big difference. So, so I, uh, you know, I, I will help you there, but I do get a lot of questions if we do them and we do do them. All right. So anyway, uh, DSCR loan. I've been asked a lot about the DSCR loan. It seems like it's really coming out of nowhere now. And, and we did a lot of them in 2023, but it seems like it's coming even stronger. What's the DSCR loan? It's the investors in the market right now that want to buy investment properties, trying to close them quick right? They don't want to go through all the hustle and bustle of getting all this paperwork and my tax returns and my debt to income ratio doesn't work. The DSCR loan totally gets rid of that, right? We're not going to look at your income. We're not going to care about your employment history and all that stuff. The only thing they care about in a DSCR loan is how much money you're putting down. 20% is what they want and your credit scores, right? They usually want uh, something of a 680 credit score or higher. At that point, as long as the rent in the property that you're buying is covering what the new mortgage payment is going to be by a certain percentage, the deal is done. You're automatically approved. Okay. And that's how fast we go. An appraisal is done on the home that you want to buy. Title work is done. The closing is set and the DSCR loan will close within 30 days, if not sooner. 
I mean, we've spun some quick ones and investors are loving it because it's so fast. It, it, we, don't, we don't bury them with, we need this, we need that. We don't harass them like we harass the regular borrowers that, that always come to us. We, uh, you know, it's not a, it's not a like, uh, you know, I, I got to go through 60 days of, of, of hell to get to where we got to go. No, this is, you know, pretty cut and dry. You got the credit score. You got the down payment. We don't need to verify your income. I'll see a closing as long as the home appraises for what it needs to appraise for and the rent covers the mortgage payment. Good night. How are the rates on the DSCR? Don't ask me. All right, because they're not pretty. <laughs> but they're they're it's what you expect on an investment property with 20% down and not verifying income, right? You know, you're you're again, you're at an eight or nine percent interest rate. You take what the bank gives you, you wait to down the road, you always refinance it, right? You you get a positive cash flow down the road once the rates really start to come down and you can refinance. This is just to get in the door. It's not a situation of you shop a DSCR loan. Why are we shopping a no income investment loan? It's an investment property you're buying with no income. There is no negotiation. You just do it, right? You'd be happy. We didn't ask you anything and you move on. So, uh, so that's a big one right now. Uh, so reach out to me, you know, if you're interested in a DSCR loan, they're pretty big right now. Uh, and, uh, I, I would love to help. And, uh, you know, so, so we move on. So anyway, um, interest rates, where are we going in 2024? I ask this every week. I get asked every week, every guest that I have on every week, I ask them where they think it's going. They ask me where they think it's going, right? Then I get the phone call, like, you guys watch the show. And then the next day I get the phone call, where do I think interest rates are going? And I say, did you watch the show last night? <laughs> I'm not joking. I mean, it's, you know, it's like, yes, uh, I, I answered that last night. And I think I answered it the week before, but guess what? I'm going to answer it again because I, I like to answer this question because I think it's a big one because yeah, that's what everybody cares about. Listen, the minute the interest rates go down just a tick, the buyers get off the fence and they want to buy. The minute the interest rates go up just a little bit, just a tick, the phones go ghost. Nobody wants to talk, right? So are the rates going to come down? Yes. When are the rates truly going to come down? No one really has that crystal ball. If I had the crystal ball, I wouldn't be doing this show right now. I'd be on the beach right now drinking, you know, with, a, with sunglasses on and not caring about anything except, uh, you know, Where's my next drinks coming from, right? So here's the story. The rates are going to go down. The Fed will cut the rates. When that's going to happen this year, we don't know. Speculations have been March. We don't know that that's going to happen. Uh, speculations have been two, three, four times this year. We're hoping that happens, but we don't know. Are the rates good right now? Yes. Were the rates bad in November and October of 2023? Yes. I mean, we were at 8%. Remember that. You know, there's a lot of people that are, are saying, well, the rates are six and a quarter right now. That's high. You should have called me two months ago. Two months ago, the rates were eight and a quarter. So they have come down about two points, which is a huge difference. To, and, and that's a good trend. I mean, I think that you're going to continue to see these rates come down. You know, as they continue to come down, you're going to see more buyers get off the fence, right? Things are going to get busier, right? So why wouldn't you take a rate of six and a quarter right now where you don't have crazy competition versus when these rates are in the high fours and low fives, which they will be, you're going to have competition like you've never seen. There's going to be 40, 50 bids on one house. Things are going to get crazy. You know, I, um, I think that, you know, by the end of the year, you're going to see rates in the high fours. 
That's my prediction. I think people think I, I'm a little crazy. I've said that 11 weeks in a row now that I think the rates are going to be in the high fours. All right. Um, it's going to happen. And you're, you're going to, you know, you're going to see all hell break loose. And, uh, you know, that's a good thing for loan officers like me, of course, because we're busy again and we're making money and, and we don't have to worry about where our next, you know, commission check is coming from. But on the flip side, I think for buyers and for people that are refinancing, you're going to see wait times go up, right? You're going to see service levels go down. Um, so, you know, you, you, you have to watch the market right now. If you see something that you like, if you want to make an offer on it, make the offer. If you like the payment, like I've been saying every week, take it, take it while you can. If the rates go down, you're always going to refinance anyway. So, you know, what drives the rates is the 10 year treasury. Look at the 10 year treasury every day. I wake up in the morning first thing and I tell every loan officer that works in this business, if you don't look at the 10 year treasury, go to bloomberg.com, type in 10 year treasury. If you're not looking at that, you got a problem. Like you, that is where the rates primarily are driven from. If they're going down on the 10 year treasury, the rates are going to come down. If the, if the 10 year treasury is going up, the rates are going to go up. So pay attention to that. And uh, as a, as a consumer, that's another good place to, to look at too. Will the election affect rates? Yes. Will, <laughs> again, right? Uh, the, the election will affect rates. Uh, you know, it depends on who gets elected. I'm not going to get political on this show because I don't like to do that because then some of you will turn me off and never listen to me again, right? So I'm not going to get crazy here. But I will say it, will, it does matter who gets elected, okay? Um, you know, it, it may be a person that a lot of people don't like, right? But he gets elected anyway, and that could drive rates dramatically down. I'm not going to say any names, but I think you know who I'm talking about. Now, uh, you may get elected on a person that may already be in office right now, right? And they may just continue to carry on. It may drive rates a little bit higher. It could keep the rates where they are right now. Uh, it, you know, the election will um, dictate where rates are going. So watch closely as we get to October, November, December. I've been through this, you know, since two, um, I'm sorry, not, I said 2000, 1998, because I'm so old now, that I've been through this. I've seen the elections and that, that election year and the months leading up to election, you see those rates really start to move. And it depends on who gets in office will dictate where we're going to be. So, uh, so I do tell people to watch closely on that. A um, lot of job hopping, right? A lot of people switching jobs right now. Never seen anything like it. Uh, you know, it's, it's getting to a point where I understand. I understand that you need to go find a new job to make more money right? I'm all for that. But doing it while you're buying a house in the middle of the mortgage process is very, very tricky. Okay. It, it, it could work in your favor or it could really hurt you. Okay. Um, you know, I've had people come to me making a hundred thousand dollars a year. Let's say they're a, they're an airline pilot. They're making a hundred thousand dollars a year as a, a W2 employee. You know, we're, we're 15 days or 20 days in the contract. And next thing I know, they call me and say, well, I've got a, uh, you know, I got another job offer. I need to take the offer now because I can't wait until I close in this house. I need to take the offer now. Okay. The problem is, is that we're switching jobs in the middle of buying a house. Okay. Even though it's in the same line of work, we got to, first of all, make sure that it's the same amount of money. Okay. 
So I don't want to hear that you're going to be an airline pilot at, at American or USA or whatever, and you're at American Airlines right now, and they're offering you 80000 a year, and you're making 100000 right now. In the bank size, you're taking a $20,000 pay cut. Well, you're, 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 uh, you know, your quality of life is better at the new job. That's why you're taking it. We understand that. But in a bank underwriter's eyes, your income is going down. And if your income is going down midway through the mortgage process, we got a problem. Right, so we gotta really make sure that you qualify. You gotta let your loan officer know. You don't do it behind their back, right? And you and you let them you let them uh, uh, do what they gotta do. All right, so another week of Tabernate Talks wrapping up. I'm glad you guys could join me. I think it was a very informative episode. I hope everybody enjoys it. I'm gonna have one next month. I'm gonna do it once a month where we do our Q and A. Until then, I got some very good guests coming up. Uh, starting next week with Sam Lepore of the Lepore Group. You're going to love this guy. I've known him for years. So look out for him coming up next week. And uh, enjoy the rest of your week. And tune in on Wednesday, and I'll talk to you soon. Thank you.